Amen, church. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. When you turn over to the Gospel of Matthew and how he begins, he begins in a very exciting way about the birth of Jesus. And as he's describing that birth, we realize there in about verse 23, it says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now I want you to see the excitement that's happening right now as Matthew begins his gospel. The excitement of the Son of God being born, the visit of the shepherds, you can go ahead and look in Matthew chapter 2, Sometime after that, we see the visit of the Magi from the east bringing gifts. But this morning, I want to pose this question. Now what? I mean, here we are at the beginning of a new year. The Christmas holidays are over. We begin a brand new year. So what? So what does that mean? If you look at the life that God has called us to, and we begin to realize that through his son, Emmanuel, that he is with us, I believe the life that he's called us to and the life that he wants us to live is one that we've already sung about this morning, one that Doug has alluded to in our communion meditation this morning. This is my desire to honor you. So I want you to think about that phrase as we go through this passage this morning. And one of the things that we realize is soon after all of these events that we look at in Matthew, all of a sudden their life is going to be turned upside down. I mean, nothing would ever be the same Again, if you look over in Luke chapter 2, verses 39 and 40, this is how the gospel writer Luke sums up the next 12 years of the life of Jesus. He says, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I think if there's one desire that God has for his followers, if there's one desire that God has for his people, it's this. May we be a people who follow after his son. May we be a people who grow up. May we be a people who mature in Jesus. So would it be fair to say this morning, and I don't know if this was 
one of your New Year's resolutions, if you even wrote any down, but would, would it be fair to say that a good thing for all of us to do in a new year is just to say, I want to grow up. I want to grow up and be stronger with Jesus. Okay? Now, you can take that phrase how you want to when I say you need to grow up. Okay? <laughs> but it's a good thing to have that desire to want to grow closer to God through His Son, Jesus. Amen? And that's the desire. And so, here's what begins to happen in Matthew's Gospel. You remember last week in Matthew 2, King Herod is on the scene, and he is so disturbed that a new king is coming on to the scene. And so what we begin to see about Herod's life, Herod was a crafty individual. Not only that, he was very cruel. He was downright hatred and mean in the life that he lived. He wanted all the power. He wanted all possessions. He wanted everything. If somebody else tried to have something and Herod thought, oh, this may be a little more than I've got, you know what Herod would do? He would kill him. He killed a lot of people in his life. And a lot of times he did that because of jealousy and he saw that somebody else was getting something or gaining something that he didn't have that he wanted and so he would just wipe them out and he would get rid of them. So you put yourself this morning in the place of how folks around are looking at Jesus and looking at what Herod wants to do with him. He wants to get rid of him. And the only way that he knows to do that so he doesn't have to compete with somebody else trying to gain power on him is to get rid of him and to kill him. And so we know as we continue to read this that God did not allow the family here to live this peaceful and quiet life in Bethlehem for very long. And so all of a sudden here again we are reminded just as much as God is at work, Satan is working as well. And so as we sit here this morning at the beginning of a year, we ask ourselves, now what? And I think as we look through the rest of this passage this morning, we're going to see some things that maybe we can pinpoint in our own life that needs to be important. That we can say, you know, maybe I need this to be a part of the life that I live. Maybe I need these characteristics and these things to be a part of the walk that I have with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I invite you this morning, if you would, to look in our text in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, 
He took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, boy, he didn't like that at all. He didn't want anyone to outwit him. And he became furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. And man, we sat here this morning, and we think, how could somebody have a heart like that? How could anybody want to take the life of an innocent child? Herod was that person. And he was that person because he felt that somebody else was gaining power or would gain power. And he felt that the only way that he could keep it and maintain it was to get rid of them. And so he gave those orders. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up, he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in, it, warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Now I want you to go back, and I'm going to divide this up into a couple of scenes. And I want you to look at what happens in scene one. Middle of the night, Joseph's asleep, an angel of the Lord appears in a dream and says, you need to get up, and you need to take the child and his mother, and you need to go to Egypt. It's almost like at that point, you don't have time to even ask questions you just need to trust the instincts here, and you need to go, okay? No time for questions. You need to go. And so the wise men from the east had just visited Jesus, and they had told King Herod that they're on their way to visit the one who was born king of the Jews, and that bothered Herod, but he tricked him in such a way that he talked to him in such a good way because one reason only, he's trying to find out I need to be where they're going. And so I'm going to ask, in a good way, where are you going? And where are you going to see this child? Well, the wise men didn't return like he thought they would. And he becomes so upset because any threat to his position of power must be eliminated. And so very soon, maybe even the next day, Herod sets out and send soldiers into Bethlehem to take care of all the children, all the boys under the age 
of two years. All of this is taking place in what I call scene one. And Joseph gets up in the middle of the night, and he and Jesus and Mary make their way to Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. Do you see the hand of God at work? Do you see the hand of God at work through an angel where he speaks and he tells them exactly what he needs to do? And here's one of the things that I see happening here. Satan loses and a prophecy is fulfilled. Now keep that in mind. Satan loses and a prophecy is fulfilled. And so we fast forward to scene two, and Joseph and Jesus and Mary are living with a group of Jews in Egypt, but not for very long because Herod dies, and an angel of the Lord appears in a dream to Joseph again and says that it's safe for him to go back to the land of Israel. So they return to Israel, but something goes wrong. Herod's out of the way, but guess who's coming up? His boy. What has his boy been trained to do? How has his boy been trained to rule? Not in a good way. The boy sees a terrible, terrible example from his father, and he begins to follow suit. And so again, God is at work. Archelaus is in charge now, and he's just as bad as his father. But once again, here's how God works. It's dream time again, and he says, you need to leave. Just like you did the first time, you need to leave the area again. And he moves north to the town of Nazareth, and that's where he stayed. But look at what happens here. Once again, Satan loses. The Messiah is safe, and a prophecy is fulfilled. All along, God is at work. You see, church, at just about the time that we think that God closes a door in your life, what does he do? He works. And he opens a door up of opportunity. Here we are in a new year, so now what? Do we believe, do we trust, do we even think that God will work in such a way that he opens new doors for us? And I hope we believe that. What about collectively for us as a church? Do we believe that God will open doors of opportunity for us that maybe we've never walked through before, but God is saying, this is where I want you to be? What do we do? You know, we have a choice. We can look at it and say we've never gone that way before. So we don't know what's on the other side, and so it's safer here, so we're just going to stay right here. But is that really the will of God? 
To me, if God's opening a door, we've got to trust his leadership, don't we? We've got to trust up to this point. Has God been faithful to his people? Has he, church? Yes. Has God been faithful to us? Now, has everything gone the way that we want them to go? No. But has God still worked? When you look in this passage, has everything happened the way that we would write the script? No. God's in charge. And even though we look at it today and think, man, how could this be? My question is, how can we not trust a God who's always going to lead us to greener pastures? I'm glad Joseph went to sleep that night and had a dream, aren't you? That wasn't happen chance. That wasn't luck. That was the will of God. It wasn't just a coincidence that an angel shows up. You know what? This is a whole other study in and of itself. I believe there are still angels among us today. We can talk more about that later. But I see the hand of God at work. And I see Satan at work. But you know what I see more of? I see more of God saying, oh no, Satan, you're not going to have your way here. Okay? We need to recognize that more in our lives. The moment that we think Satan is up to something, we need to believe by faith and we need to trust that our God is bigger than that. We need to believe that God can see us through to the end. He can, and he will. And here's the exciting thing. Throughout the life of Jesus, Satan loses. Satan loses, and prophecies were fulfilled. And if you think about it, think about what happened 30 years after these events. Really the opposite of our story today. Instead of Jesus fleeing from harm, what does Jesus do? He walks right into harm's way. Again, was that the will of God? You go on and you continue to look at the life of Jesus. Instead of fleeing from Herod and the Roman government, he allows himself to be executed years later by the government. Instead of God the Father protecting Jesus, what did he do? He sent him to the cross. But even there, Satan loses and prophecies are fulfilled. And the prophecies that foretold that the Messiah would someday suffer and die to take away the sins of the world all came true. That's why Jesus was born. That's why God could look at his son at the very beginning of the birth and say, here is Emmanuel, 
God with us. But you know what? He didn't hold on to that, did he? You know, when a child is first born, we just want to hold on to him forever, don't we? We don't want him to grow up. We want to hold on to him forever until the diaper needs changed, right? And then we're ready to pass him off or her off to somebody else. But then we want the child back. But they grow up. I mean, look at all of us. We were once a little tot, and now look at us, right? But all along, don't ever forget this. God is at work. Satan loses. Something will be fulfilled in your life because that's just the way that God works through his children. He will use you to be a blessing. And now we're sitting here just a few days into a new year and we're thinking, how in the world will he use me this year to be a blessing? I don't know. But if you'll just let him be in control of your life, he can do that. He'll take you places and lead you places that you could never go on your own. And all over this passage, do you see the pattern of one of the individuals, Joseph? You know, we don't talk about Joseph a lot, but when you look at his life and you look at what he does, you know what he does that really stands out? He listened to God and he obeyed man let's just take those two things from joseph and we'll be okay right let's just listen to the one above and let's obey we sing a song trust and obey will we listen to the leading of father god of where he wants us to be in life we can be modern day Josephs, people who do not rely on themselves, but they listen closely to the Word of God and they walk away and they live a life of obedience. And throughout our lives, you can mark this down. I don't know what's going to happen in your life this year, but I can tell you this Satan's going to lose and God's going to win. And you've got to keep in mind, you're always on the winning side. And when you look at this scripture, and you see the rest of the story, they were on the winning side. Because God was in charge. The safest place to be is where God leads you. God will win in the end. Because he's always in charge. And I don't know about your life this morning. But if you're living a life where you're not letting God lead you. 
that's not a good place to be. And so we're going to sing a song of invitation in just a moment. And we're going to stand like we always do, and we're going to sing. Will you think about your walk? Think about where you want to be. And think about how you're really wanting God to really lead you to where he wants you to be. That's a beautiful place. Even though we may not know where it is and what it is right now, it's a beautiful place because God's leading you there. God will win and Satan will lose. Let's stand as we sing.